hear people say the only reason they're raising them now is so they can drop them next year and actually have something they can do. But it's certainly not stopping inflation and it's putting, you know, it's, it's hurting the U.S. stock market. It's hurting not just mining, you know, stocks. It's hurting stuff across all sectors. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. And in today's show, we're going to be digging into the inflation, the dynamics around it, some of the things that are going on, and whether there's really any easy end in sight to this. Obviously, we've seen the Federal Reserve hiking interest rates more aggressively than many would have thought. So far, according to the CPI and PPI figures that have come out, not much of a dent in that, and especially with the Fed not necessarily going Paul Volcker by any means, and uh, still seeing those those numbers pretty high. So fortunately, to j dig into all of that, I have Steve Cope of Silver Viper joining me. And Steve, good to see you back on the show. Hope everything is going well with you. And how's uh, our things going today? Yeah, it's going well. I mean, we're all we're all interested and anxiously watching what's happening around the world with the U.S. government and, in our case, the Canadian government as well. You know, rapid fire rate hikes and trying to trying to curb inflation that I just don't think is going to stop the inflation that we're seeing. But um, yeah, I mean, we're we're all trying to ride out the storm. We're enjoying finally some nice weather up here and <laughs> taking our mind off what we're seeing in the market. Yeah, it's certainly uh, one of those times where it's good to get a break and uh, take a step away. Not the easiest news coming out, although you did mention the Canadian Central Bank also hiking interest rates, a 1% interest rate hike last week, Fed getting ready for another interest rate hike next Wednesday. And just curious, based on what you're seeing, obviously you're involved in the silver side of this with Silver Viper, um, but do you see these current plans working? Do you see any end to this in sight or any easy resolution? I don't, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't think, I mean, uh, you can read a lot of different people or talk to a lot of different, I don't think they can sustain these types of rate hikes. I just, I think the pressure it's putting on the economies and, and, you know, the citizens of our countries is just, it's not sustainable. And I've, you know, you hear people say the only reason they're raising them now is so they can drop them next year and actually have something they can do, but it's certainly not stopping inflation and it's putting, you know, it's it's hurting the U.S. stock market. It's hurting not just mining, you know, stocks. It's hurting stuff across all sectors. You're seeing pressure on cryptos. You're seeing pressure on the blue chips. It just, you know, they're costing people a lot of wealth. And you know, normally governments don't like to continue to do that because like normally it costs them in an election. And people don't like suffering. And you know, people across all sectors and all countries right now in the Western world are are very much suffering. Yeah, that certainly is the case, um, especially interesting because we've never really seen the central banks, especially the Fed, hike into a recession, which is what leaves me feeling like they're in a bit of a corner and that there is no easy solution. I have a quote here pulled up. There's a danger that the Fed will stick to its uber hawkish stance for too long. And Powell said he's willing to risk going too far because the mission of halting inflation is paramount. Is there a risk that we would go too far? Certainly there's a risk, but I wouldn't agree that's the biggest risk to the economy. 
not an easy set of choices to choose from there, but do you think that they'll just break at some point where, like you said, we're seeing a lot of things slow down. The mortgage figures show that things are starting to slow down here in the U S as well. Do you think that's where this is headed and there's just some pain threshold and at that point we see a reversal? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, again, I think, I don't think it's sustainable. I just, the pressure and what you're seeing, you know, in reports in the U S and in Canada, you know, the crime, everything is increasing. People can't afford, you know, the more pressure and the longer this goes, people can't afford, you know, to live They're <laughs> They're, they're going to stop being able to afford food. I've actually read a, an interesting article today that was talking about how over the last in Canada, at least anyways, over the last three, four months, they're talking about the animals that are being returned to shelters skyrocketing because people can't afford to feed and take care of their pets. So they're taking them back at record rates, you know, to these animal shelters. Uh, and I think it's just one other little sign that talks about how, you know, people can't afford their livelihood. I mean, look at gas prices right now. I mean, they're skyrocketing everywhere, but here, you know, and where I live and we're looking, you know, it would be the equivalent of like $10 a gallon. Like it's <laughs> for the Americans that are watching it's people get, and, and in an area where people have to commute to work and have to drive, you know, around, you know, to get places and they can't afford to do it. You're seeing, you know, people that traditionally be going out camping and taking their RVs up and driving around, you know, our province, you know, and they're looking at it and saying, why would I want to spend 500 to a thousand bucks in gas to drive four hours inland to go camping? It's supposed to be something that's a cheaper activity. It's just, it's not sustainable and salaries certainly aren't able to move up. You know, like you say, you're moving into a recession. So it's, it's not sustainable. These governments are going to lose, you know, in their next elections if they continue and don't provide some sort of a reprieve for, you know, their citizens that are really struggling. Although so far the, the sort of reprieves we've seen, we've heard Joe Biden giving out gas rebate cards, which is a little bit like fighting inflation with inflation. Um, and as the pressure builds, should they reverse course, which seems like it's hard, getting harder to avoid, you're still just going to end up having more of the same, which leaves us in a position where there isn't really any easy exit from that. No, and it, but, but a lot of this has been building. I mean, this is, I mean, you can look at past governments as well. It's just no one ever wanted to face the pain that they had to, and they built this you know, it was a, it was a downward spiral. And so when you do finally try and come out of it, it's just an absolute nightmare. You know, everyone wants to be everyone's friend and popular because they want to keep their jobs. So it's been building. I mean, the U S I think is, is worse off from, you know, a banking standpoint because the banks there have been far more, you know, I guess, aggressive and giving out really scary loans that, the Canadian banks, I guess, have been a bit more or far more conservative on, on what we do on that side of things when you talk about the housing market. But, you know, and I think that's why Canada is aggressively raising rates is in here, our housing prices have been skyrocketing at like a scary rate. And so I think our interest rates, while they're, they can claim inflation are far more targeted around trying to cool off the housing market. And I've seen in the US actually that the mortgage rates over the last two months have been coming down while they've while the Fed's been hiking. Where in Canada, our mortgage rates have continued to increase at a dramatic rate. Yeah, it is interesting. We we saw quite an uptick in the mortgage rates for a while. Then they did come back in. You would think with more interest rate hikes on the way that 
could be heading higher again. Yet here is the NAHB housing market index, which has really started to roll over, perhaps not quite as much as what we saw during COVID in 2020, but with housing and mortgage sector being such a large part of the economy, it reminds you a lot of what we saw in 2008 when the mortgages were really in trouble, a lot of the credit indexes were really struggling. And again, uh, why it seems like there's, there's going to be a lot of pressure to reverse that at some point. Yes. Well, and I mean, I think, and, and you mentioned 2008, I mean, I think investors and people that are looking at, you know, any of these sectors, but specifically if you're talking about gold and silver, it's, you know, that's kind of the hope that everyone has here is the rebound that the mining companies and juniors and everyone had on the back end of 2008 it was the mining stocks that were the first to rally and you know the amount of money that was made in 2009 was you know on paper anyways was quite outstanding um from the lows that we saw in 2008. yeah certainly there was quite a rebound obviously we've not seen that yet in this current sell-off which began back in march Curious, obviously you're involved directly in the silver sector there. What have you been hearing from the investors, the companies, and what's the general tone that you're coming across right now? Yeah, I mean, there's general concern. You know, there's a lot of people that are in a position where they need to, you know, finance and raise money to continue to work. And they see inflating costs in this sector. And right now it seems the funds don't have money to invest in the companies. There's a lot of Actually, I mean, I've seen anyways, I can't speak for the other companies that there's a lot of money from the retail investor that sees this market pullback and they've, they're very interested in participating in finances, but you know, that's a smaller portion of the, the big tickets on finance where you typically rely on those lead orders from the funds and the funds have had no inflows and are, you know, genuinely struggling. They're having to sell shares just to, you know, match whatever the rules of the funds are. And then they don't have the capital to reinvest into new names and new deals that they like. And I think that's where it's become really difficult for the juniors anyways, to finance and get stuff done because there's that money is off the table right now. So it's just retail, predominantly retail that you're going to be doing your capital raises with. Yeah. And it's interesting. Would you have ever expected the, the sell-off in the junior sector? Like we've seen, obviously not easy times for any of the metals projects yet. Certainly an extreme sell-off for some of the juniors. Yeah. And that's, again, I mean, that's around liquidity. The juniors have less liquidity. So when you do get a sell-off, they get hit really hard because, you know, there's just not a lot of buying out there and you get stocks that are very liquid and selling off. I mean, people just hitting the bid, it can, it can go down very fast, but at the same time, they recover as quickly too. You get into a good market, you get retail buying and your stock's going to scream up you know, very fast. So, I mean, that's part of just the way that the juniors are set up. Um, you know, some have more liquidity than others and probably are able to weather the storm better than others, but it's hard. But we saw, I mean, we saw this at the start of COVID in 2020 as well, when we had the crazy sell-off, you know, at the end of February, March of 2020, and everyone got just hammered. And then a couple months later, they were hitting all-time highs. So it's, yeah. It's certainly something that can happen in our space and it does happen from time to time. And I mean, I don't know, you, we all wish we knew exactly to the day when this was going to end and that reversal would start. But what you have seen over those times is that a lot of wealth can be made when you start 
picking those names that you like the most and being contrarian to what is happening in the sector. Yeah, and at the same time, it's not been the most abundant silver market where we have the Silver Institute numbers showing a deficit and a world that, at least according to government mandate, is supposed to go more green. I was reading some of the solar demand uh, numbers uh, and especially the projections going forward where governments are requiring solar in many situations yet. Are we getting close to the point where we start to see supply fall offline. I know a lot of projects aren't going forward right now. And does that just play out where we don't meet some of these mandates eventually, or it doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of new silver coming forward. I mean, I think, I think even with new silver coming forward, we were going to still have that issue and deficit and it's going to be always be very hard to produce, you know, whether it's in solar or whether we're talking about the electric cars and what the demands from the government are on that side and infrastructure, silver was already operating in a deficit. And you're right. I mean, there, this is going to delay a lot of work on a lot of projects. I've heard from our drilling company that they've had multiple producers and explorers canceling drill programs just because the right now in this type of market, it's preserved cash time. You know, it's, no one wants to be going to the market and having to dilute at very low share prices. And there's a lot of companies that are sitting there right now that need to finance and just aren't able to do it. And what, how difficult does it become to turn some of those projects back on? Or do you have a ballpark of what type of silver environment and for how long it takes before people feel more comfortable doing that? I mean, it's easy for explorers to turn back on. It's it's not quite like, you know, the oil industry where you, you shut down operations and you got to fight. It, it's a lot of work. If you're shutting down mining operations, that definitely is expensive and costs a lot more money to get back up and running again. Than, and I haven't necessarily seen that. I don't think we're seeing mines shutting down because the prices are still at a point where most of the companies should be still making quite a bit of money on the producer side. But with inflation, that'll start to, you know, slowly chip away at the, the big gap that they have on the money that they're making. But for the juniors, I mean, it just becomes, you budget for a drill program when that program's done, then you, if you're ever in a pause, it's very easy to fire back up as long as you've got, you know, the people to hire, that would be the, the biggest trick. And it would be making sure guys haven't gone to work somewhere else and you're losing your quality people. But from an expiration standpoint, that part's pretty easy to fire back up. It's just, you know, when are these companies going to be able to raise the money and want to raise money and balancing, you know, dilution to the need for capital. And you're certainly seeing, like you said, the, the, the drillers are saying that companies are already shutting off drill programs and, you know, kind of trying to wait this, this kind of market out and wait for a good and whether that's, you know, could happen sometime this summer. I think a lot of them would probably guess, you know, September is normally a pretty good time in our, our industry and that's the timing. But as long as the governments keep doing what they're doing, I, you know, you're putting the hurt on those funds. I mean, the biggest thing I think that's happening is all these guys that were, you know, you're, I mean, you're a former Wall Street guy, but these guys that were leveraged so thin and borrowing money so cheaply and they're seeing these rates and now they're getting cash calls and having to liquidate their portfolios because they don't want to dip into their own pockets. And they're selling everything and they hit those illiquid markets so hard that, you know, and if you keep raising hikes, it's going to keep bringing in and putting more and more pressure on, you know, those guys that have just borrowed capital because they could outperform, they could invest in Apple and make 20, 30% a year and they were paying 1% interest. And all of a sudden, as those interest rates go up and the equities start to sell off, they get, they get themselves in a lot of trouble on those margin accounts. So 
we'll see. I mean, that's kind of, I think that's where the biggest pressure on all of the different and why you're seeing, you know, all the different sectors get hit hard when it's, you know, people are liquidating paper, anything that's a paper asset is getting liquidated and they're fleeing to us dollars right or wrong, but that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever imagine that we'd see the dollar hitting a 19 year high in the midst of everything that's happened with the dollar the last couple of years? <laughs> it's, We've always wondered why it's hitting highs, but it's, you know, I mean, again, there's as long as it's, I guess, the world currency, which I mean, I don't think is going to be that way for that long, but we'll see, um, you know, people will flock to it when times are tough. And then it's frustrating for, I know, for precious metals investors, because you see, you know, how long do we preach and hear inflation, inflation, that's huge. That's going to be great for gold and silver. And then inflation happens. And they're going the other way. I mean, they're holding up better than a lot of the other commodities, um, but still, like it's. But not again. We can dive into that. But that's why you know it's wrong that our precious metals are priced via the paper market and not what's happening in the physical market, where you still see, you know, people charging massive premiums for the the physical metals if you can get them. And so it's that disconnect between again, them being priced in a paper market where they've tried to build up our market and control it and people liquidate paper assets. And that's what we're seeing these prices of the metals done in versus, you know, what the physical metal should be selling for. And again, I mean, we've talked about in the past, but it's why our silver producers and gold producers have done such, done such a disservice to our industry because they should be the ones dictating the price and banding together similar to an OPEC and demanding you know, a certain value for their metals as opposed to just liquidating them and hoping and just, you know, trying to compete with each other. Yeah, it certainly has not helped. And you mentioned some of the other commodities, which have also gotten hit pretty hard as well. Although, are you seeing any relief on the uh, expense side for any of the silver projects out there? I mean, I mean, I guess, well, expense side no i mean no one because we're still in an inflationary market all your outside suppliers are wanting to charge more they're also being very cautious because they're worried about companies not paying them for services once they are done um fuel prices have come off a bit so i mean i guess for at least here slightly from its highs but i think that might be short-lived too um i mean i don't i won't see if there's any relief i don't think our at the same time though i don't think our costs have overly skyrocketed from an expiration side either during this okay. period of inflation well that's certainly good to hear and uh perhaps before we wrap up you could touch on silver viper and how things are going there and how you're handling all these conditions yeah i mean we're continuing to do everything we can from just understanding the project finding new areas we've got you know, a very large project. So we're mapping and sampling and doing lots of work on a lot of new areas of the project, trying to understand the system as a whole. We've gone back in and we're looking at a lot of the historic core right now as well in our warehouse from the work that Mine Finders and Pan American done. We just finished our geophysics program and the project's at a point right now where I would love to add drill rigs and, and test a lot of these new targets that we've identified. But like I said, from a capital standpoint, we need to just be smart and not having to force ourselves to go back to the market and, and dilute further. So we're going to see kind of what happens here through the summer. If we get into a really good market and we see a rebound, we're absolutely ready to go and fire up and very excited to test some brand new targets that we think could be the roots to the whole system and 
you know, believe that we could be hitting some pretty spectacular grades if they are where the stuff that's coming in our L Ruby area, you know, where that mineralization has come from in those fluids. So we're doing everything we can. We're making sure all of our staff and everyone is still in place. And we're, you know, just learning, learning more about the project, trying to, you know, show future potential and get other targets to be drill ready on the project. Yeah. And sometimes I guess the way life goes, it can be good to have a moment to take a step back and at least reflect on what you've done. Well, during those times where it's time to wait a little bit, um, Steve, can you give folks the website address and let them know if they have any questions about the project, how they can go about doing that? Yeah. www.silverviperminerals.com. And you can email us at info at silverviperminerals.com and they'll come to Alicia or myself. All that information is on the website for those that need to find it. And you're right. It is actually a really, we've been drilling steady since the end of 2018 on the project and it is giving us a moment to focus and do some of that other stuff that's very important to get done in preparation. So we're, we're excited for the next wave of drilling when it comes. Um, the company's in a very good position. We did a small raise recently. So the company's has no worries of the door shutting or anything like that. You know, even a bad market, we were able to raise a decent chunk of capital. So we're very excited for what's going to be coming in the future. And in the meantime, again, I think it's a great opportunity for people to look at, you know, investing while these companies are at, you know, levels, price levels that they never should be at. So. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, again, you can find out more at silverviperminerals.com. Although fortunately, Steve was kind enough to stick around and record a short update on some of the details of that program, which is coming your way now. 